When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome to Knife Talk. And we promise this week we will be talking about knives. Definitely, definitely after last week. Um... It's, it's, it's Sunday again, believe it or not. It's time for another, well, to record another episode of Knife Talk. It's crazy. The days are melting all into one. It's, yeah, times are crazy. So I'm here, Craig Lockwood of Chalk Knives, joined as usual by Mareko Marmasi of Marmasi Fire Arts and Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. The goal is that we put out a, a podcast at least once a week um, for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, anybody with an interest in knives. The last few weeks has been a bit different where we've, we've added a few extra episodes and we've been talking about non-knife stuff as well because, well, personally, I'm not doing much knife stuff at the moment. Um, and I don't know about the other guys. We'll speak to them in a second. So how are we, guys? Let's start with uh, Mareko. How are things? Uh, things are going good. I, I, I'm almost done finishing the uh, first video um, or taking all the film for all of the first video. It's of doing instructional stuff uh i pop uh what is it i posted up an announcement the other day about me doing these videos and wanting to be helpful in this way because whatever it's what i can think of doing and basically the idea is that um you know trying to encourage people to you know to give people a good reason to stay in place and to stay home and not to go out unnecessarily um and so by giving them i think some or trying to help give them some information some something to kind of wrap their head around and, or some new techniques or approaches to try uh might encourage uh especially some of the newer makers or maybe even some experienced makers to um to i don't know to reinvigorate their uh you know their excitement about working at home or from home i think i don't know uh, for myself, my shop is separate from my house, and so I've been calling this uh, this series Forge in Place uh, because now I'm working from my home, but I think most makers actually probably do work from home. I know Jeff doesn't, but I know you do, Craig. And um, and so, yeah, just the idea is to try to give people uh, something to, I don't know, just keep them occupied more than anything. Uh, I know people are getting a little stir-crazy, and so... Um, yeah, just are you going to put them, them on YouTube? Yeah, I'm going to I think mostly I'm going to put I'm going to put the full length things on YouTube. I'll I'll have some stuff on Instagram. Um but I think 
format wise it just makes more sense for it to be on youtube um but other than that i've just been at home um you know spending a lot more time with family helping with the dude uh helping to bear bear that kind of quote-unquote not burden but you know the responsibility of taking care of victor because he usually has child care uh that he hasn't been able to go to lately um yeah i don't know you do that youtube you get that subscriberships you make that cake yeah i'm saying i don't know (laughs) i mean i know people do that that's what Um, you do come on man you need a lot of subscribers and a lot of view minutes. Yeah, you can yeah. get a lot of subscribers. We'll, we'll help you get a lot of subscribers. We make that cake. Gotta get that YouTube cake. Yeah, there you Come go, on, everybody. Man. Go subscribe, Malmossy Fire Arts. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I think more than it, it's just it's trying to be helpful in that way, and it's in the way that I know that I can help. Um, so, what what's okay. in the series? So what what's the first video, and what, and what are the plans for the future videos? Well, the first video, that, you know, I thought I would. <clears throat> originally the idea was to go through and, and start from very basic all the way to like everything I do uh, for all my, my integral chef's knives. But I realized, you know, there's a lot of information out there for basic stuff, uh, you know, or kind of beginning bladesmithing and knife making and stuff like that. Um, so I thought I would try to actually put a, uh, some questions out to people uh on my instagram stories and the idea is to just get people's thoughts on what they actually think would be useful and helpful and what they would want to learn from me basically if they could get you know the time you know time to come and visit and work with me or something like that what would they want to learn because you know there's all again there's all kinds of stuff out there information out there and there's a lot of really good information out there obviously you know we reference nick wheeler a lot he's got tons of great information um but so, you know, I'm trying to, I'm realizing I should, I should try to focus on what is unique about the way I approach knife making. Um, yeah. And I have my ideas of what I, I think would be valuable, but I realize I should ask other people. But off the top of my head, my thoughts were to do like how I do my knife sharpening, um, either on the machine or on stone or the combination, uh, handle sculpting, blade grinding, specific grinds, like uh, especially like the S grind um how how you know like i'm blending transitions from the blade to uh the bolster on my my integral bolster chef knives i can't really do damascus and stuff because i don't have my press here but i do have blades that are already forged integral chef's knife blades that are already forged so i figured i could work with those because the ones i brought still need you know like the bottom of the bolster cleaned up and the transitions cleaned up and the blade ground and all that stuff so i thought i could do uh great videos around those that help kind of share my approach to knife making so these are pretty these are pretty intermediate these are pretty intermediate uh videos you know you you know this isn't like uh yeah the a lot of this it's it's not going to be necessarily beginner uh stuff um the first video i did um is is kind of a a beginner and it's just like super basic blacksmith knife blacksmith style knife meaning it's just it's all forged there's no handle scales um it's a very basic uh bench knife um and it's forged really close to to shape so all you have to do after heat treating is just sharpen the knife um and i i did one out of a, a scrap piece of steel as well as with like kind of more regular bar shape um, uh, but that one's out of Damascus, but it was in forging the, that knife. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is, 
this is pretty beginner stuff. And I realized that I think what a lot of people look to me for is kind of more of the advanced stuff. Um, And so I think I should probably be doing that. And so that's when I decided I was in the middle of forging that thing that I decided I should probably reach out and ask people what they would actually want to learn from me. Um, So that's where we're at. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So when is that first video going up? Did you say? Uh, I'm hoping to get it up pro- like in the next couple of days. Cool. Realistically, okay. I wouldn't. There's going to be ask, a lot of talking, but I think that's. They want. I would just do what you want to do. I wouldn't ask anybody their opinions. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, more than anything, it just kind of reaffirmed what I already had in my mind right. of kind of like the more advanced stuff. But just in case, you know, I. Yeah, I don't have the biggest brain in the world, so you know there might be Your something brain else, somebody is else. Perfectly fine, perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, so yeah. What about you, Jeff? What have you been up to? I've been fucking pissed. I've been pissed and angry. It's it's irritated and and it's just it's, you know where do you begin? Where do you fucking begin? At the very I, beginning. At the very, very beginning. Okay. To Today, my wife is on day seventeen of home isolation. And, uh, we, I've been, uh, she's been on the third floor and my kid and I have been trying to clean the house and make sure she's fed and get the groceries and get the, this and do the dogs and do the, so she's, uh, we're dealing with madness. It's been total madness. And, um, I have been on the sour side in the last couple of days. And one of the funniest parts were my, I have older sisters and, um, they've always been very, how should I say this? They've been tough on me my whole life. They're just like, <laughs> they're closer to being either they're They've always been very, uh, they're both type a personalities and they're both very aggressive with me. They have a, they, it's a high touch situation. I feel I feel the pain. I've got the sister the same. And I tell you what, one of and and I'm always you know we get along, and I just I usually we talk and listen. I listen, and and then there's there's a little bit too much maternal, uh, there's too much uh, motherly qualities to them, which is you know annoying. And I'm now of the age where, <laughs> fine. So one of them called me up and wanted to know you know and, and you know everybody in the Skydam family, all they want is they want a morning report. Like I'm supposed to be doing a daily report for everybody. I have to have it on their desk by the morning in regards to the. And one sister calls up and she says, uh, "So how are you and your daughter feeling?" And uh, I'm like, "I don't feel all right. We got tested. We did. We got tested. We got tested for coronavirus. I'll tell you that's. I'll tell you that's. That was crazy too." So she said, well, do, do you have any symptoms? And I said, I think so. I, I don't know. I don't really know, honestly. Light symptoms, maybe. And she goes, what do you mean you don't know? That's what she said. She said, like, what do you mean you don't know? And I don't know what happened. I was sour or whatever. I fucking lit her right up. Why? What, what kind of question is that to ask? Me? If I say I don't know, I don't know. I fucking lit her up. And it was this weird, it was this very weird um, power reversal. And she didn't like that at all. And we and it turned got very, very awkward. And then we kept talking, changed the subject. And as we we're changing the subject, she just kept slipping in. She goes, you know, you don't have to talk to me that way. And I, ref- <laughs> so I refused to apologize because I was so furious. Like, I got enough going on here. I don't need to get, I don't need to get you know, the grand inquisitor doesn't need to call me up and <laughs> fucking, you know, what do you mean? Oh, no. What do you mean? Oh, no. What is that supposed to mean? Ah, shut the fuck up. So I fucking lit her up, and then you know I refused to get back to your sister because your mom listens. She don't. She, my mom listens. It's 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 actually my half sister. This is my father's okay. for my father's kids. Okay. So I don't worry. And and trust me, my mom. I'm only gonna send this send the ones to my mom that want her to listen to. She ain't gonna listen to this one. It's a little too knifey for her. So uh, 
So I lit her up and then, and then we kept on having this very awkward conversation in my mind. I'm like, fuck you. You're not apologizing. You're not apologizing. And then after five minutes, I said, ah, sorry for being fresh, but it was really funny. And then I lit somebody else. Oh, I lit my mother up because she kept saying, what? I was talking to her on the phone. And she says, what, what, what? And I'm, and I'm like, ah, you stop saying what? I'm, you're driving me crazy. So uh, tensions were high. And um, I apologize to my mother, who uh, is doing great. She's been in isolation for quite a while. She's uh, playing little games with me, which is fine. I'm feeling a little bit warm. You think that's a fever? Oh, Mom, geez. you don't have a fucking fever. Feeling warm is not a fever. Just trust. So that's that. And then, uh, and then on Thursday, my wife got um, my daughter and I uh, an appointment to get tested for a drive-through coronavirus test, and it was a fascinating, it was a fascinating situation because so you 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 I don't know how the the globe is going to test everybody in this situation because now you can't just show up. You, now for them to do the testing, you got to in the, at least in New York and Westchester, you got to have an appointment. So we had an appointment, and you show up, and you have these computer printouts. You have to bring your IDs. And then you put a computer printout that says my name and my number. I put it on the dashboard of my side. And then my daughter's was on the dashboard of her side. We brought our IDs and stuff like that. You got to go through the, you know, through the cones and through the parking lot and a certain path. There were three checkpoints and they were confirming our IDs. And then they were asking us questions through the window. And, and then we go to another one and they would take a paperwork and they put it under the windshield wiper. And then we go to the next checkpoint. The same thing. I ask a couple questions. Is this the right telephone number? They're putting it up against the window. Is this the right telephone number? So that we finally get to the like the main, you know, like it was like out of that movie uh, Outbreak. You know, there's a giant tent. These people were covered head to toe in, you know, uh, outfits and then like shields on and the masks on and the gloves on. And I mean, it was literally like out of a, any kind of science fiction movie where there's like some sort of radiation or something. That's what they look like. So they were talking to us through the window and they're like, all right, we're going to. We're going to put this, um, we're going to swab your nasal passage. And uh, so they ripped open these paper, these uh, containers, and they pull out these fucking Q-tips. And these, like, very flexible Q-tips. And these things must have been easy, four and a half inches long. I'm not, I mean, they were long. And they said, well, no, now this is going to be uncomfortable, but we're going to have to put this up your nostril to get a swab of your nasal cavity. And then we're going to take it out and they're going to put it up the other one. And if you have any feeling, if you feel, if it, it's going to feel weird and it's going to feel awkward, the only thing we want you to do is don't move your head. And if you, and, 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 and swallow, if you feel weird, just swallow. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is fucking, my kid is sitting there like her eyes are bulging out of her head. So they roll the, her window down first. Hey, roll her window down first. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to watch them stick this fucking thing up her nose. And I had to turn my head and she's, I could see her just kind of like wiggling in the chair. They put this fucking four and a half inch thing up her nose down the back. So then it comes to me and I do it. And it's, I mean, they must've pushed some bullshit back in mind. I, I put that. It was the strangest feeling. They went up through the first one and they got to go through the second one. They must have pushed like a booger back there. So I must have found, there must have been like some sort of booger or something got locked in somewhere. So for the next 12 hours, I had something back there that I could not shake. And it was uncomfortable. And we drove home. And we were both like, <laughs> we were trying to hock them all out. I couldn't get anything. We thought they left something up there. Yeah. And now we're waiting for, uh, we're waiting for the results. 
So, and that's going to help us determine whether my wife can come up, can come out of isolation. She's feeling a lot better, but there's this term that these people have called shedding. So there's a potential that, you know, she doesn't have any of the symptoms anymore. She's still very fatigued, but she doesn't, she's afraid she doesn't want to shed any of, if there she's shedding virus, she doesn't want to shed it all over the house. So once you're out of quarantine, it's all over. And once we have our, you know, once we have our results back, if, if we're negative, it'll be a fucking miracle because there's just no way I'm fastidious enough to keep all that fucking virus at bay at the third floor. And, or we've had it. We don't know it, but they won't, the, the test won't be able to tell us our antibodies or not. So it's like either I, if I have it, that means I'm a slob. <laughs> if, if I had to clean the house right. And if I didn't have it, there's got to be some sort of fluke or we already had it. So in my mind, it's like, you know, I'm damn. So this will tell you if you currently have it, that's all. If I current, yeah, if we currently have it as of gotcha. Thursday. And then uh, to cheer myself up, and this is the last thing I'm going to, to cheer myself up, I went on the Instagram live. And instead of doing all these cooks are doing all these Instagram lives where they're cooking. I thought, ah, you know what? I'll do the dishes while I'm doing Instagram live. So I did Instagram live. I was doing the dishes, and then my buddy Chris Cash got on. He wanted to come on. I love Chris Cash, Mount Phillip Metalworks. And this motherfucker right there, I love him. He listens to the podcast. He's got his own podcast called uh, what is it called again? It's called Axe in the Forge Podcast. He's doing a nice job. And uh, he gets on. He says, first thing I haven't talked to him in a while. I haven't seen another face in a long time." And he goes, "I go," and he's a very you know he'll tell you the way it is. He got something to say. He's gonna say it. He goes, oh, just, hey, Jeff, how you doing? Well, let's let the elephant out of the room. Just to, just to let the, what is that expression? To, to address the elephant in the room. That's what yeah. it is. He says, yeah. let's just address the elephant in the room. I'm like, oh, yeah, Chris, what's up? Says, you look like shit. <laughs> it's like, fucking thanks, Chris. Jeez. He's like, my hair's all over the place. I haven't shaved in a while. Thanks, Chris. What am I supposed to do with that, you, you little fuck? So, that, and then he apologized, but it was like, uh. <laughs> He, called, he sent me a text. So I didn't mean it that bad. I was like, it's fine. I know. Let myself go. It's fine. I had and, the same conversation with my wife last night saying I might not shave for the rest of lockdown. And she looked at me and said, what the hell? <laughs> it's not really going to make too much of a difference. I, I did. Um, do, do you guys have Movember over there? What's Movember? Yeah. So in it's a charity thing in November where basically people raise money and they don't shave for the whole of November. But they call it Movember as in Mo Mustache. You know? right. um, Mo Mustache. Yeah, I started mine about three weeks before right. in, in sort of the middle of October, just a few years ago. By the end of November, I had nothing visible at all. So, yeah, I, I think if I, if <laughs> oh, I so you didn't shave grow- to the end of lockdown, I'd, I'd just look like a teenage boy. I'd just get little <laughs> scrappy pieces all over my, all over my face. <laughs> I think know? you should do it. I, I just, I tend to not shave, well, you know, I shave maybe once a week or so. Hmm. But, uh, you know. Have you, have you seen Team America where, where yeah. you, you get this beard and sort of like little pieces everywhere? It's pretty much like that. I got a funny story. I got a funny story about Team America. Fuck yeah. The people, the people who did all the sets. This is a funny story. It's an embarrassing story, but let's, let's go with an embarrassing story. So the people who did the sets, it's a famous design firm. And they did the sets for Team America. And the sets are probably, the sets are probably, they're also, I don't remember the name, and I, if I do remember the name, I'm not going to say the name, but they also did the Mohegan Sun. This is a very famous design firm. So we had, I guess somebody in my family knew somebody there, and they, this is years ago, and they, they, they asked me if I wanted to apply for a job there. And I said, yeah, it's great, you know, f- f- fucking great. 
So they sent a message to the people there and they said, okay, well, we want you to come on this particular day. I, um, the, uh, the, a couple days before I was supposed to go down there and I was going to bring sculpture and the railing stuff that I've done and the design stuff that I've done. And it, I really didn't have a, I mean, it was going to be a very like there, it, I wasn't have to charm my way in there. There wasn't really, I don't I didn't go to school for design or anything yet. Yeah. And, uh, I was lifting a buzz box, a welder, and I popped a blood vessel in my eye. Like if you lift very heavy things, you can like burst a blood vessel. So my left eye was red, solid red. I mean, it was crazy. So my wife was like, oh, you got to go to this meeting. You got to have this, you have to have this interview with these people. They're so, they're, you know, it's one of the most famous. Design. What are you going to do? So she gets me some glasses, some like uh, Nick, um, Nick, uh, Jack Nicholson glasses. Like, you know, like I got to mm-hmm. wear like these special glasses inside, you know, you know, the old expression, the only people who wear sunglasses inside are blind people and assholes. Well, there you go. I'm an asshole. So I showed up and then they, and then they said, okay, we're ready. We'll bring you into the coffee room. So they bring me in the coffee room. I'm ready for this interview and people are coming in, they're coming out. They're, they're, they took my slides and they put them in the slide machine and, and they said, okay, start your presentation. Start my presentation. So people are coming into the coffee room. I'm talking about my work. I'm talking, I, I wasn't prepared for this. I was prepared for an interview. And then, um, the people are walking in, they're drinking coffee. They're looking, they're walking out. They're looking. So, so I wrapped it up and they said, okay. I said, great. So when's the actual interview? She goes, oh no, that wasn't the interview. That was, you're not getting an interview. You were, uh, you were the, uh, the coffee room entertainment for coffee hour. Oh, wow. I had a fucking, I was like, I thought I was, I was told that I was, and the person who told me they were going to send a, send a message. So, so here's, so this whole person said, oh, they're looking for a person. Let me say, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you uh, ahead of time. So when I got home, I saw my wife. I was like, "This, this motherfucker! I was the organ. I was the monkey at the organ grinder for the people from fucking Team America." Uh, and when we finally caught, I got a hold of the woman who asked, who brought the whole thing up. And I said, "I said, did you ever write the?" She says, "Did you ever write the letter?" And she goes, "Oh, when's the interview?" I was like, "Asshole! I just went down there. I went down there, and they made me look like a fucking complete moron with my fucking red eye, my stupid sunglasses, and I was the goddamn." Coffee break room. I was a coffee break room entertainment. Oh shit! Oh, I'm so. She's like, and she got real uncomfortable because she for fucking forgot to set the meeting up. Oh jeez. So that was my. That's the, it was embarrassing. Yeah. Super embarrassing. Oh, so that geez. was my Team America. The only reason I brought that up is they were they were famous for doing the set for Team America. They didn't give a shit about me. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> oh jeez. My eyeball. Looked wow. Like I, I look like such an asshole too, walking around with a fucking pair of sunglasses inside to an interview. <laughs> uh, Let me tell you why you need me. <laughs> yeah, I must have looked like. I mean, I'm like you know, like these red glasses, like Cyclops from the X Men. I fucking look like you know, like <laughs> such a fucking is- asshole. It's great. I love that shit. There we are. Welcome to Night Talk. Yeah, <laughs> still not uh, twenty minutes in. What about you? So Craig? my week, yeah, my week. Let me tell you about my week. It's been uh, just trying to keep sane, basically. So uh, we're in, I think it's week six, possibly week seven of lockdown here now, um, and things have got progressively worse. As in, um, even uh, Amazon, we can't we can't order from Amazon anymore what? because no, the, 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 I mean the, the mail service is down completely, but Amazon because they are private drivers, they were still driving. But the president announced this week that um, Amazon would be fined a million euros for every parcel that they deliver. What? 
So therefore, they're oh. not delivering anything. That's insanity. It's crazy. It's crazy. So yeah, we're we're on complete lockdown now. Um, it's yeah, we thought things would be maybe easing up. Um, it's it's getting worse. Um, what they did say is um, we're going to be like this until at least May. I think it's May the eleventh. Um, where they review again, but there's no way they're going to lift anything on May the 11th. It's just, you know, it's just sort of setting the scene, I suppose. So bills are done. Like you can't send in bills. You can't get bills. No, nothing at all. Nothing. So at all. how are, wow. So you really, you know, the, so the, they put the brakes on everything really. Yeah. Yeah. They've said the whole country is now in a recession. Um, it's, it's, it's serious stuff, really serious stuff. Um, so yeah, just trying to keep sane, really. So we we did our weekly family quiz, which we're doing over Zoom, where we've got sort of eight teams now um, throughout the throughout the family doing a quiz on a Saturday night, which is quite fun. Um, I've been decorating, trying to do some stuff in the garden, but we we've had these crazy storms this week um, through the night. You know, it's real bad rainstorms. So that that's put an end to working on the garden, I suppose. Um, to the point where I was so bored this morning. I've been polishing my guitars. That's how bored I've got this morning. Oh, wow. so that, this that's not little... a euphemism, is it? No, it's, oh. it isn't. No. no. Um, so this little studio thing that I record in, it, it's, it's been black since since I did it. You know, It was only probably about two months ago that I did it. And um, I'm spending more and more time in here now, and I'm thinking this black is just terrible. So I'm ripping everything off the walls, painting it all white. Oh, really? <laughs> and restarting again, yeah. Because it's just depressing in here. I'm spending so much time in here, so... Yeah, I'm going to put all the guitars on the wall and have it like a proper little studio, I think. Wow. But, um, what about your sheep? Are your sheep okay? Um, <laughs> this is a bad question. Is that awful? It's that not a good question to ask? The sheep are good. I'm not looking after the sheep. Um, a friend of mine, Roy, is um, he's an elderly guy in the village. Um, yeah, everything's good. I mean, the whole purpose of them is for my next batch of knives, which are you know completely on hold at the moment. Who knows when that will be? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually I did do something knife wise this with this week. I, I did um get some wool and I have put it in resin, but I haven't tested it at all for huh. strength yet, which which I will be doing. So Roy's taking care of the sheep, huh? Roy's taking <laughs> care of my sheep, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, what else we do? Family quiz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> changing the subject of the sheep please, quite quickly please, because please. I've got a lot to talk about <laughs> the sheep event eventually when it happens. <laughs> Um, well, I'm just making masks as well. I've probably done maybe a hundred masks now. Amazing. Um, they've awesome. been delivered to local workers as well. How, it's quite so funny, how... actually. So the uh, our village here, we have a website. Because, I mean, every village in France has their own mayor and their own sort of system. So they have a website for the village. You get all the village news there and stuff. Um, and you know, it's it's very small the village here. But myself and Amy, we generally keep ourselves to ourselves anyway. We yeah. don't know that many people here. But they they wrote a little story to put up on on the village website. Um, obviously, we can't read French too well, so we put it into Google Translate, <laughs> and it's like Craig, who is a, a very proud Welshman, um, goes out every day with his binoculars um, looking for friends to talk to. What? <laughs> it's like, they make me sound like this crazy what? pervert. What? But it's the translation binoculars. They mean twins, but it translates and it can be binoculars. And it's just like, what the hell are they writing? <laughs> that it is, is hilarious. <laughs> it's crazy. That's funny. There's... What else? We we found a secret room in the house again. So we found two now. That. So yeah, we found one which is in our basement, and it was like a hidden wall, and it was behind. Then it was a fair old space. Um, but up in the up on the third floor, which we never go up on, because I mean, this house is so old, and we've got so much work to do that we're basically living in in like a like a two three bedroom apartment inside the house, 
the other house, the other rooms we haven't touched. They're still ancient. Right. You know, some don't have electricity running to them still. It's it's oh, ancient. Wow. So anyway, I'm I'm looking for stuff, and you know we dump stuff in certain rooms that we don't use. And I'm looking for something, so I'm looking through, and I move something, and something moves, and I was like, what the hell is that? So I pulled off the bit of this bit of plaster. And I mean to put things in context, the house is six hundred years old, Jesus. so it's been it's been knocked around over the years. You know, it's you know this predates electricity and houses and plumbing, so all these things have been bolted onto the house over the years. So there's all these crazy little spaces. But anyway, I open move this thing, and there's this little doorway behind it, and it's like a little crawl doorway. So I opened the doorway, shone sh- my phone in there as a torch, and you can see there's like old boxes, there's a couple of old um, suitcases and stuff in there. And it's a fair old space. Once you get in and crawl in, I think there'd be a fair old space, but I'm too scared to go in there at the moment. So right. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till, till Amy's not so busy and she can come up with me, I think. That's the way to do it because, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be... Um, I'd say it's probably twelve foot by twelve foot. That's maybe. huge. Oh wow! It's yeah, it's it's a fair old fair old space. So, um, but there's stuff in there. So I'm what's a fair old space? It it, a fair size. Oh, a f- oh, oh, okay. Feet. I thought you meant like feral, as in like a feral cat. No, fair, fair old. Space. Oh, fair old fair space. Old space. That's all it, right. Yes. Sorry, fair old space. <laughs> twelve by twelve is huge. How did you not? How did you not know it was there? Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this, this house is. I mean, the walls are, at some point, it's like three, four foot thick, these walls. So if they replace one of these walls with, you know, with a fake wall, you, you've got four foot there already. And if you do that the other side, you'd have an eight foot room. You know, it's, there's a lot of that going on. And um, Farrell yeah. Lockwood found himself a new room in the old estate. <sighs> yeah. Nice no, I was wondering, should, should, should I tell Amy or should I have this as my little sort of nap space? You know, where's, oh, yeah. where's daddy gone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I don't know. Where, where is he? Uh, but um, yeah. I'm too scared to go in. So she needs to come with me. Yeah. So she'll know anyway. <laughs> That's, hilarious. Oh, that's good well look god uh, bless you but uh, yeah that's the kind of week it's been just scrappy um lots of little tiny menial stuff going on um but not really achieving anything can i ask you a question when you that's do me. the masks how do you get them to where they need to go there is a, a small sort of tobacco shop um just a few minutes from the house so i take them there um, uh, um leave them in a box and people pick them up from there very cool very so, cool. Yeah, so what a great, to, a great thing. Yeah, and and to be, it's one of the. I was speaking to my wife about this, saying it's it's a little bit of a selfish thing as well. Me doing it because it makes me feel so I achieved something. And I go to bed at night. So how many did I do today? I did twelve. I did thirteen. Whatever. And I think it's just something keeping me entertained as much as you know, maybe helping other people. Hopefully, fine. Um, you know, part of it is it's for me as well. You know, yeah, of course. Um, but, uh, Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's totally, a weird thing. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, mm. I'm I'm very interested that you think that way. But uh, I mean, yeah. you know, all these pursuits are generally, you know, there's a fair degree of narcissism involved. But you know, but if it's for the greater good, then yeah. that's to be commended over, you know, you trying to make yourself feel better. Which mm. so that's I fine. probably probably got enough plastic for about thirty left now. That's all. And then there's no way of me getting any more plastic as the post is. You know, down so um yeah so probably midweek now i'll be finishing them and there'll be no way to do any more anyway so it's just looking for more menial tasks to do Hmm. (laughs) polishing guitars bloody painting ceilings you know (laughs) fuck all that yeah Yeah. shall we talk about news is there any news this week Oh, 
that's right. That's yeah. me. <laughs> Come oh on, my man. god. <laughs> Wake up, Walter Cronkite. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Where's on, my man. cup of coffee, damn it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here. So yeah, it's news. Uh we haven't had news in a while because most of the shows and events that are going on have been canceled because well, we have this pandemic that's uh, wreaking havoc on the world right now. Uh, but one little uh, spot of news. So a lot of shows are starting to adjust and renegotiate their dates, and Blade Show has actually done that. Uh, usually Blade Show is the first weekend in June. Um, and now they've moved it to August. So it's August 7th to 9th, 2020. Uh, for more information, go check out the website, bladeshow.com. As well as, uh, you know, they also have their Instagram, Blade Show. Uh, in other news, we have, so we were doing kind of like oddity stories for a while. And uh, I found this one, actually a buddy of mine sent this to me. He thought it was pretty interesting. But people are uh, down at Texas A&M a, uh, uh, in the, one of their like uh, physical science and engineering programs. Uh, uh, one of their grad students came up with this idea or this this plan for printing. Martin Siddick steel, 3D huh. printing Martin Siddick steel. So they're using it like the gist of it is basically they're they're using it similar to a, a standard 3D printer. Um, they're using lasers uh, at like essentially as as soon as it comes out of kind of the hopper, uh, the steel it's it's kind of welding it in place. Hmm. Um, it sounds like they had a they had a lot of work to figure out you know what was the right temperature and all this kind of stuff, but they figured out how to do it with very few to no uh, flaws in the material, um, which could also open up a lot of possibilities for precious metals and other metals. Um, the steel that they they're calling it Martin Siddick high carbon steel, but it's nothing close carbon content to what we would normally be using for our knives. It's only about uh, like. 3% carbon, 3 to 4%, uh, which is pretty low. Um, and again, like I said, it would not necessarily be what we use, but um, what they're using is particle metallurgical uh, steel. So like a steel powder, refined powder um, in to do these printings. And, you know, that's the same kind of powder that is used uh, in like CPM 154 or steel uses. Uh, particle uh, metallurgy to create their Damascus patterns and as well as uh, some of their other steel products. Um, so there, there's potential in the future that you could 3D print your own knife in place. Um, but, and then, you know, you could 3D print your handle and then, you know, I don't know. It was, I just thought it was really interesting to see how that thing is advancing and and it'll be interesting to see where that goes. What do you guys think? Sounds like it's basically like a MIG welder. You know, you, the steel is, you know, and that's how a MIG welder works is that, you know, it's you have your spool of, of alloy and then it, right. and then you have your shielding gas and then it, yeah. it makes the connection with the, when you weld. It arcs. Yeah. And it makes the arc and then it makes the bond. So yeah. that's it. I think stick, it on, stick it on a CNC. You've got X and Y axis and you can print I'll it. I tell you what, I mean, you know, people are getting, you know, you got to do something with these. I like this. I, I, the 3D printer is interesting. And to me, I'm, I'm fascinated by, I never wanted one, but like now it's, you know, I like the, I see those videos of 3D printed houses where they with a print where they're using um, concrete. I like that shit. I think mm. it's great. You know, God bless them. You know, anything they can do to figure out ways in which to make things better. I'm, I'm for it 100%. Now Craig can make uh, 
you know, he can make his, he can make his, uh, his, he can make face shields out of Martin Siddick's steel. Maybe, maybe. Well, I can do it on wood. I, I've got a, a 3D filament, which is um, like wood, uh, powdered wood. Really? Basically. Yeah, well, oh. wood dust, and they mix it with a, with a resin. Yeah. Um, so they can it can come through the extruder, and that's uh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about you know wooden handles for my knives that are 3D printed. Huh. I've done some done some trials, and you know it smells like wood. It sounds like wood. Uh, it feels like wood. It's got you. You can have extra strength because when you're 3D printing, you can you can put these. Um, if you think of like an I beam, you know the way it's strengthened yeah. that way. You, you mm. could have your, your wood done that and put strengthening parts inside. Huh. Um, so is, and yeah, then when it, it's, it's done, is do you have to wait for it to dry, or is it instantaneous? Oh no! They, like any three D printing, it dries instantaneously as it comes. It's extruded from like they call it the hot end, where stuff melts uh, from like a little that's nozzle. What, that's what Roy's dealing with right now, <laughs> with his hot end. <laughs> I've been waiting for a Roy sheet. joke. I've been waiting for a Roy joke. So I'm gonna fucking jump in with some Roy jokes pretty soon. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the, it comes out of the hot end and then it's cooled immediately with a fan. And uh, yeah, so you, as soon as it finishes printing, you, you just sort of peel it off the off the hot. The, the hot bed and um yeah and it in its in its wood it you know as i say you can sand it it smells of wood it feels like wood it's just been 3d printed it's amazing what you don't have is that grain pattern right um, mm. but i you know or you don't like you know like a knot and that kind of thing but you know i suppose you you could put that into your design so your your, your extruder is doing those shapes so you would have a similar thing if you replicated it wouldn't be natural um but it's wood it's for all intents and purposes, would you know? That's really that's a really cool uh, story, Mareko. What do you think the What do you think's gonna What do you think it's gonna be? I mean, what do you think's gonna happen? Do you think this is something that normal people are gonna be doing? And well, I think it, a lot of things start on an industrial scale and then scale scale down so that people can do them at home. I th- I would not be surprised to see jewelers using this kind of stuff, um, knife makers. I mean, I've already seen, uh, what is it, jewelers using uh, 3D printers with a with like a, a resin that can be burned out to do lost wax casting. So instead hmm. of hand carving, they're they're printing the, the forms and then oh, right, right. going through the burnout like you normally would for lost wax and then and then casting rings. Um, so that makes I would a lot not of be sense. surprised. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to see people doing that. <clears throat> And I think it's like like plenty of other things, you know. That even you know CNC routers and things like that, they would have been, you know, for you know very very expensive when they first came out, and you know industrial factories would be using them. But everything filters down to you know being sort of consumer grade, so you can have them in a, in a small shop. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just looking at the window here. I've got I've got a little sort of CNC router, and I've got the 3D printer, and and all these things. You know, they they're now very affordable for consumers. And I think as more and more things are invented in this way, they will generally, you know, filter down. It's like the whole F1 thing with cars, isn't it? You know, they have all these crazy things. They all filter down eventually to mm. the standard car that you'd buy. I just I just don't know what, I mean, I know that people use 3D printers and the only time I ever thought I could really like one was watching you do your, the masks. I can't really think of anything that I'd want to make. A Not, spatula? You like, would you would... like to make a, a mock-up of a new design no. so you could, you could fit it in your hand and you can no. sort of see for the size? No. no. I want to do it. I like to do things by hand. I always, I've always, I had a problem. I don't know, maybe it's my, it's my own problem, but I had a problem when we were doing the, uh, which I had a good time doing, and I'm, I'm happy with the knife we made, but for the Knife Talk build-along, I had a real problem just in the way I do everything 
on not just doing by feel, you know, doing by hand. You know, like when I printed out the first drawing and I, I, I screwed up how I printed it, it came out real small. And I was like, this isn't the right way. And I just, I, I need to be, I need to feel like I'm in, I mean, I need to be, there's a tactical quality that I need. It's hard for me to like, I mean, I can imagine, I don't, I just, I look at the 3D printers. I'm like, well, what do I want? What do I need? What do I need to make? Hmm. You know? But at the same time, it was just like, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not creative enough to figure out what I need. So, I mean, what I need is different than what but i was very i mean i i was like i was like i'll watch these printers i'll make some fucking face shields i'm like yeah you gotta save my money time <laughs> to make that but they are very cheap now they, they've they come down in, in cost massively but uh yeah you're a very tactile man uh Jeff. Very, very, tactile yeah, man. very tactile man i look like shit chris right but i am a tactile <laughs> man <laughs> um, any more news anything else i like that I, you know, god bless and blade show for trying to figure something out Mm, now, I know yeah. that the also yeah. Makerspace, uh, Makerspace, uh, Maker Camp still on for October. Um, yeah. Jimmy Duresta and and Austin did a little did a little uh, thing saying that they ain't going anywhere. They're all fired up for October. I like people getting you know being optimistic, and I think it's great. Mm. What are your thoughts on on dates for sort of semi normality? What do you think? I'm looking for semi normality in my own house. I can't, we're having debates in our own family, whether or not my wife should come out of quarantine now or not. You know, her, her boss, who's an epidemiologist is just like, she should be in there for three weeks, three weeks. But then health and human services wanted her to come back to work after three days after being diagnosed. So there's no, there's no seat, the CDC, you know, we're going to the CDC website, looking at their guidelines. She, all she does is research on, you know, what people are saying. There's not enough data. So it's very hard to, I mean, especially in the one thing they're saying is it's very, very hard for there to be one person in isolation um, and then the other people in the family not to get it. It's just like, you know, it's just too, with dishes and stuff like that. I guess uh, Andrew Cuomo was saying that there's some people are going into a hotel and then they're they're getting their room service in and then they're just leaving the dishes in the room. So people don't get, you know, they have 14, 15 days worth of dishes. So I mean, honestly... I, this is the story in our house. I mean, all we do is FaceTime from I'm in the living room with the kid with my wife's upstairs. You know, we watched that. We watched that awful. Uh, sorry. That, did anyone watch that thing last night for the global citizen? Ah, uh, no, not that, that gig that they did. No, I didn't see any of it. No. I'm, all oh. I'm going to say is I know we're going to get in. We're going to get in the knife guys stuff, guys. We have better audio than most of those people. We have better audio oh. than Lady Gaga. Have, How did they do it? Did they do it from their homes? They did it from they their homes. And God oh, bless Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. They did their best. And they did their best. Mm. But boy, God damn it. Eddie Vedder was horrible. I mean, it was like, I don't know what he was playing oh, like shit. on some sort of barf organ. I don't know. Some fucking, it was like this funeral dirge. It was a terrible. Everyone's audio oh, was awful. Elton John was singing, I'm still standing. But he, all we could hear was, I'm till tanding. We're like, what the fuck is he saying? <laughs> I'm telling you, you gotta listen. To the, you gotta listen to "I'm Till Tanding" because that's all we thought he said. Like, what is he saying? "I'm Till Tanding"? Oh wow! They all need a knife talk studio like we've got. Oh, that's what dude, we sound so much better. Lizzo listen, was listen, really good. Listen, listen. Look at you. How does that sounds sound? great? It sounds <laughs> great. I tell you what, Elton John sounded weird. Eddie Vedder sounded terrible. Billie Eilish on a great Lizzo was awesome and the Rolling Stones God bless them but <laughs> Charlie Watts didn't even have a drum set 
He was playing on his fucking coffee table in the air. It was bizarre. Were they, were they together? Were the stones together? No, they were all in their different, different, you know, different oh, Zoom Jesus boxes. And, and and Mick was Mick oh. Mick was uh, doing all the heavy lifting. Everybody else is like, you know, Keith was out there, you know, sitting on his sitting on his couch and his bare feet and staring off into who knows what and what kind of oh, dimension geez. he's into. Ronnie Woods <laughs> looks like, Ronnie Woods looks like he's about to jump off a fucking you know balcony. And Charlie Watts, he's just he was playing the drums against his against nothing. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, wow. Oh, jeez. There you go. Knife talk. Are we going to go into questions? Knife or are we going to just keep going? Shall we do some? I tell you what, if you've got any questions, contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. I fucking love that. That's outstanding. That's so good. All right. Welcome to Hey Man. Can I ask you a question? This is the time. Hey Man. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> this is. <laughs> I love it. So this is the time where we will read your questions and then we'll try to answer them. And uh, you know, well, we'll do the best we can here. So here we are. The first question comes from Smash It Knives and Forge. Smash It Knives and Forge also is a veteran. He's serving in the armed forces, and God bless you. Hey, fellas, I have a question. Is there a way to clean a Scotch-Brite belt? Mm, good question. Good question. Anybody? Uh, none that I know of, no. Right. I mean, uh, the way I look yeah. at it, the Scotch-Brite would sort of wear itself away as you're mm. using it anyway, so we wouldn't need to clean as such, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I think you people don't just load them with the, stuff. Uh, throw it in the laundry machine? Like you do with your uh, buffing. Not the Scotch brides, no. Just the buffing wheels. <laughs> I swear to God, if I throw one more thing, if I leave one more thing in my pockets, I'm so, I'm going to kill me in this house. I, have you ever cleaned out the trap of a of a washing machine? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Jesus oh. H Christ, it's all like, it's all dog dog shit bags empty. <laughs> bolts, oh, there's yeah. bolts empty. I was saying empty. There are bolts in Washes. there. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. soapstone. There's earplugs. Is a disaster area. So if I put the uh, Scotch Bright belt in the washing machine, we got a problem. So there you go. There is no way <laughs> that answer is no. Am I, am I right in thinking with Scotch Bright that it'll just wear down? I mean, so it, it doesn't get loaded up. It sort of wears I'm down. I'm under the impression some people load theirs up with grease or something. Is that possible? Scotch Bright belt. Yeah. yeah like hard I've, wax I've or used, grease. Yeah, I've used mine with a uh, with like polishing compounds. Oh yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, I've, I don't know of any way to wash them at all. And just to let you know, and we'll go into a proper read, the prices on Scotch-Brite belts and combat abrasives are very good, and it's not worth ruining your washing machine. Just go get a combat no. abrasives, <laughs> knife talk, 15, Definitely. and hook yourself up. Definitely. Okay, let's move on then. Dies yeah. in every film. Um, stabilizing hardwoods. Seems people have mixed views, yes or no. He says he's got an oak handle coming up, and he's planning on stabilizing the oak. What do we think? I think... So, I have a guy... I, I hear people saying that you, there are certain woods you just cannot stabilize. I think more than anything, it's... They, they don't penetrate. Uh, like, the stabilization... Uh, you know, the, uh, the resin doesn't penetrate like others ought to. Um they do penetrate some, but you know, I, I get a, I get, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Roy. This is the Roy's time. Penetrating. It's whenever you say penetration, it just, <laughs> oh, yeah. what's the best thing you've had in all your right, mouth this right. week? Roy, relax, Roy. Watch those sheep, Roy. Go um, ahead. Talk about your penetration. Yeah. But the, uh, well, I'm going to talk about wood. Go so, ahead. 
Yeah, Knock so I mean, but there are like, uh, especially like some of the the resin dense African woods, um, <laughs> they can still be stabilized. Um, it's just hard to penetrate the wood. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Oh yeah, girl. All right. <laughs> do you guys have something else you want to add? I mean, you, I, you guys I, do more stabilization than I. I do. think that pe- I yeah. think that stabilizing. I think stabilizing. I actually have a customer who just sent me uh, pictures of a knife that I was, I'd bought this wood from an unknown vendor years ago. I used this wood and he sent me a picture and I was under the impression that it was stabilized and it was clearly not stabilized. It was Mm. started to kind of like, and and, PS it may, the direct quote is, I don't think it went to the dishwasher. So that's the direct (laughs) quote. So I'm actually, I, I, I'm going to say he, when he, when it comes in, I'm just going to say, look, I'm going to send you some pictures of some options and feel free to pick whatever it's on me. I, I want, I don't want, I don't want you, you know, I'm not, I don't want you to have something that ain't right. But I, it started to dawn on me that some things are not as stable as you think. So sure. I think that yeah. it's important, I, you know, for your own, your own, you know, edification, I think stabilizing is a good idea. Now I have some knives, some dingers in my own house that have unstabilized walnut and nothing's moved. So it's like, yeah. um, you know, but at the same time, it's like this dude, I made this knife from two years ago. He just sent, showed me like a, just a, just a tiny little bit. And I was just like, yeah, send it back. I'll, I'll redo it. And I thought that's some flea bag wood, you know, uh, clearly it wasn't stabilized. Hmm. So well, I've had some stabilized stuff in the past, especially if it's dyed, the dyed right. stabilized. Stuff. Well, this was dyed and it wasn't you, stabilized. Yeah. Once you cut it, you can then see, you know, how deep the penetration's gone. And I, and I believe it's something to do with the uh, atmospheric pressure, your altitude, where you are when you're doing the stabilizing. Um, some places, I think if you're up high, you just can't get a good enough, a good enough suck. Yeah. If I want a better, better word. Um, <laughs> so you don't get you don't get the you know the penetration needed. Um, but I think Miracle's right. What I find is the oily stuff, the oily hardwoods. Um, you basically you're not getting anything into them at all. Sure. Um, but so, yeah, I mean oaks, oaks I've stabilized before um, quite yeah. well. Um, and I, I like that it gives a sort of nicer finish as well. When you, if you're polishing, you know, to a really sort of shiny polish, um, the, the, the stabilizing resin really sort of helps give you a nice, a nice finish. I was it. about to say, I when I stabilized all these oak barrel st- uh, wood, when you oh, stabilize God, the awesome. oak, it makes them not splintery at all. Like I was, sure. I was very, very impressed at how um, robust they became after stabilizing. I, I definitely, if I was going to do oak, especially, I mean, when I do the wine barrel wood, I've stabilized wine barrel wood, whiskey barrel wood. When you stabilize it, that oak, it's it's a much better wood than than something, you know, some strange burl. Like you don't, yeah. you, you eliminate that a very um, splintery quality. Shout out to Dyes in Every Film. Owner sent me a sweatshirt. He just, I got a, I'm wearing it right now. Is a good dude. Funny guy. This next one is from at CHS underscore forge. He says, I had a question about liners. I see some guys are pre-gluing them and I see some just doing them at all, doing them all at once. Uh, when they pin and glue, you think there's an advantage or a higher success rate with one method over the other. What do you guys think? I like to, um, glue the liner onto the material first let that set um grind it back so you can see them flush together just to make sure that it, it's you know that the, there's no gaps and everything's working sure. well um and then do a second glue up onto onto the scales when you're using your bolts as well um simply because it, it can just slide around so much anyway it can be quite slippy so yeah just 
just spend the time and do them in two stages. That's the way I do it. Yeah, I like to work with one piece when I'm. I like to glue them all up and then grind them all and you know put them all together as one piece. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to fool around too much. There you go, CHS Forge. Go on, um, Jeff. You'll go. Uh, okay, Connor McCrillis says. What gets you motivated when you feel like you don't have any new designs to make? That's a good question right there. What 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 do you do, guys, when you need to be motivated? There you go. <laughs> it's I think it's one of those things where if you can just get yourself started, just pick maybe something small to do. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I know here he's talking specifically about you know a new design. But I think if if you can just get in the mindset, oh, I'm going to start, and I'm going to just ten minutes, I'm going to do something for ten minutes. Quite often during that ten minutes, you'll find you're motivated, and you'll find yourself in it for hours. It's just that starting something, and, and you know, it's, it's the whole thing. You know, going to the gym. I love it when I'm at the gym, but you know, getting ready to go to the gym that's the hardest bit. Um, so yeah, you I, go to I, the I gym. Everybody's every, <laughs> shut it. Yeah, boy. I, think every, I think everybody struggles. <laughs> Who's Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Jim will fix it. Jim and Roy are all squared away. Uh, I think everybody <laughs> struggles with motivation, but uh, you know it's not up to me to say how because everybody's different. But personally, the, I, I find if I can just get myself to just say, "Look, I'm just going to do it for ten minutes. That's all I need to do. Just get your head into it for ten minutes. That's normally enough for me. After that ten minutes, I'm not stopping now. I'm into this. You know, I'm enjoying it. So yeah, just the, the, that first two three percent, get into that, and you'll be away. What do you think, Barreco? What gets you motivated when you're not motivated? Well, I mean, I think, especially if it's something I really need to get done, what Craig is saying is exactly right. Uh, I come up with the same. Pro- I come up against the same problem. Where that's the end know, of the I'm... show. Craig's right. <laughs> the end of the show. Craig's right. <laughs> Goodbye. Good night, everybody. Off to, off to the gym. Craig's right. <laughs> uh, is that you? Just got to get started. But sometimes, you know, I. I'm sure you guys are the same way. I know Craig definitely, um, you know, dabbles in a lot of different things. Um, And I think, you know, sometimes I'm struggling with something. And, you know, I I had a great conversation with Dan Keffler the other day, uh, which will be up probably in the next few days. But something he said is that, you know, if he's working on something and he's struggling and after either making two mistakes or he's just not feeling it, he sets it down cause, and he goes and finds something else to work on, something that, yeah. that he's really excited to work on or he's he's uh, has a side pro- project of some sort somewhere. Whether it's knife making or not, it just it allows allows him the space to kind of kind of leave whatever that mindset is around struggling with whatever he's trying to get done so that he can come back to it fresh and not feel so kind of uh, burdened by it or, or overwhelmed maybe by it. Um, but it, you know, if, if this, if, if he's, if Connor's, you know, like any of us, you know, he's probably got a bunch of irons in the fire, uh, or a lot of other side projects that he might want to try to play with and experiment. I always have another pattern that I want to try to work out, or I have, uh, another approach to forging a blade that I want to try to work out, or, uh, you know, even, even if it's just, sometimes it's just, Damascus finishing, or I need to clean the shop, or I need to reorganize my forging area. I don't know, just little stuff like that that can kind of distract me for a minute to give my he- give me some headspace to kind of wrap my head around the stuff I really need to be doing, so that I can come back to it with kind of a better plan. 
I have to take the I got to take the passion out of it. I got to I have to be very very organized in terms of the week. Uh, I have to know exactly what I'm doing for the whole week, and then I can go move back what I need to get done by Friday. So I know what I need to be at Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, and Monday. So I have to when I come into the shop every day, I have a very very structured game plan of results that I need to have by the end of the day, which are going to be dependent on you know it's going to make. Monday is is going to make Tuesday easier. So I have to be, you know, if if it's not if you don't do if you don't reach your goals on Monday, it's going to fuck Tuesday up. So I have to be very regimented and take the passion out of it. Otherwise, otherwise I can just like, you know, l- you know, loaf around. And and it's like it's very that's the best way for me to be the most efficient is to take out the lollygagging, take out the and I've had a hard time the last 3 3 uh 2 2 2 3 week. I fuck it. The last month has been tough because dealing with you know i mean i really have been in a shop last week for maybe three or four hours just because i had a little bit of time to get in here and it was just hard for me to be you know laser beam focused and i'm I'm really gearing myself up for a big week this week and um it's hard but i i gotta take the passion out i gotta take the 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 loving creativity and the joie la vie or whatever the fuck you call it and the, i gotta take all the i don't know they even think that was french really but uh, you gotta take out all the all the fun parts mexican. was it what would you say was you say is mexican mexican <laughs> i had to take i gotta take out all the loving frilly shit and i gotta make it i gotta break it down to like this is a business and this is what i need to get done so monday makes tuesday happen yeah, I think the problem is we've all got these shops and they're and they're full of machines that you could just spend endless amounts of time just tinkering. Oh yeah. With. So if your head's not in the game, it's easy to lose the day. You know? Oh, I um, I have to. One of my pair of my dies broke. I have to. I know I have to fix a pair of my dies and my power hammer. I have a mm. I have blanks for hammers just sitting there just staring at me. There's all sorts of shit I want to do, but it's not really the correct thing to do. And now that I'm kind of behind, I have to be much more uh, regimented. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how how were things over there with your postal services, for example? You, will you be able to get stuff out to customers and that kind so of thing? So far, so good. I, I The problem is, is I think that there's some real issues with the post office. Uh, and I think that the our government is not as keen on the post office as it used, used to be. And mm. uh, I, I'm trying to get as much out as I can. I try to get a lot, as much out as I can before beforehand uh i really don't i you always use the postal service and i've always had a good experience i just uh i just sent a little bit of dough to somebody who listened to the podcast and and um, it, it made it and i was you know happy about that and but uh you know so far so far everything's working uh, uh i know i dropped something off at ups and um everything so far so good but i know that there are problems yeah okay yeah Okay, 51 Bravo says, what is the first thing you're going to do after the stay-at-home orders are lifted? And that's something that you can't do now with the order in place. That's, good, that's a good question. What are you looking forward to? Go ahead, guys. What are you looking forward to? I'm probably just going to go back to working in my shop. <laughs> uh, something I was doing before I got back, uh, before everything kind of shut down, is I, I, I used to play a lot of pool. I uh, played competitively for like five years. Really? And um, wow. uh, yeah, I got out of it for a long time, like probably eight years. And I hadn't been playing pool very regularly, except for maybe once or twice a year. Um, but just before the quarantine, I uh, I started getting back and playing uh, pool and found I can still shoot pretty well. Um, 
connected with some old friends that I used to play on teams with, and um, and it, it was cool. a lot of fun. And so, um, that's probably like the first uh, extracurricular thing I'll do. <laughs> did you did you you played competitively like in tournaments? Uh, I played a couple tournaments, but mostly I just played like local league. But uh, up here in Washington, I mean, I think all over the country, people take it pretty seriously. The league guys, especially depending on the type of league that you're in, there there's anything from like, you know, our drinking team has a pool playing problem to very serious seasoned <laughs> players That's who've funny. been playing for like 50 years, you know, um, who are like straight player. up masters. And so I, I usually would try to play with some of the kind of like, advanced guys more talented guys just because i i always believe that you know you play up um you're gonna learn more and you're gonna advance better um huh. so yeah have you got your own queue in one of those hitman cases <laughs> yeah i used to um i actually started following some queue makers on on instagram there's some guys down in texas doing some really cool stuff but i did find that there are some local makers here i always thought it would be cool to collaborate with a maker a queue maker for to get some damascus accents on a uh, on a pull queue, but um, I haven't done that yet. But maybe sometime down the road. Do but now I don't. Of... I used to. I had a couple different queues, but uh, I, I've since I don't have them anymore. It's been just too long sitting around. Do you have a playing. table? I don't. But mm. again, hopefully someday. When Although I, was I do young... like, I like getting out and playing competitively against people I don't know. I one of my first uh, in installations, I had to make a I had to make a lamp for a pool table, and that was really like a overhead lamp. It was a sculptural overhead lamp, and it was really hard mm. because you, the lighting is so critical. So I had to draw on the sure. floor the measurements of the of the. Uh, it was so much like figuring out how where the light covers. It was a it was actually kind of an interesting project, but yeah, yeah, I had to deal with all those pool people. I was like. Eh. What about you, Jeff? First thing to do once you're allowed to get out. You know, I, I would just like to be able to be around. I mean, this surprises even me for saying it, but I'd love to go to a restaurant and, and, and be with some people and, and or have a, bar, be, have a barbecue with friends or, you know, just kind of hmm. be out of our house in a place where, you know, we can have a couple laughs. You know, someone's backyard, hopefully, you know, we can just have a few drinks and grill some food or make even make a pie. I actually might be doing a, I might, I might doing a, be doing a pie with a restaurant as for takeaway, but I, you know, I'd like to do that. I'd like to be in, you know, have a nice summer barbecue or something like that around other people. Yeah. Sick of being in my house, you know? Yeah. Now I sound like a selfish asshole. No, you don't. You don't sound like a selfish ass. You want I want to go yeah, play pool question. by myself. You, you want to hang out. You no, know, you want to play with your buddy. That, 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 your answer is no, your answer. No. It doesn't mean you're selfish. No, that sounds awesome. I, you know, I 100% agree. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 I think, I don't know. Uh, you know, before we had any of this lockdown, you, you know, just took things for granted. You know, you can go out, you can see friends, see family and all the rest of it. But mm -hmm. um, now we can't. Yeah, I'm definitely craving that. And I think I'll appreciate it a lot more. But, you know, how long that appreciation will last? Who knows? It could be two, three weeks. Ago. Oh, I've had enough of these people. I'm preparing yeah. to go to the supermarket today. I, I, I've gotten it down to going once a week and yeah. it's like, I need therapy when I get out of there. I'm like, I literally, it's like being in the supermarket feels like I'm slowly dying and I hate that. Mm. You know, I'm looking yeah. forward to like feeling like, Oh, let's go to the, you know, let's tonight. What do you want to eat? I'm off stop by the grocery store. Fuck that shit. I'm going in there one time 
and then I'm bringing in all the stuff and I'm bringing it inside and I'm wiping it all down and taking a shower and taking my clothes off and wiping, you know, I fucking hate that shit. I'm sick of it. But we're eating well. I'm just hoping that we're going to get a, a summer because um, one of the first things I was, I was told when we moved here was, you know, if you, if you can survive the, the winter, autumn and spring, um, it's worth it just for the summer. And and it really is because in the summer and you know everybody eats out together. They have these these big sort of food markets every night of the week. You can go out and eat, and everybody eats in the street. And there's music and and that's what it's all about yeah. here. And you know I, I can't see it happening. Um, but yeah, I'm just really hoping so. And, I heard and a, a I heard a birdie say that they're not going to be any any flights from uh, United States to Europe and to, you know American Airlines might be not be flying until October. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. So, yeah. so this summer. Yeah. God bless you people in Paris, because you guys are going to stink. You, I mean, it is going to yeah, smell yeah. terrible summer in Paris. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is going to be terrible. Talk about some ball sweat. This is going to be bad. It's be terrible. It's going to be the worst pong. It's going to be beautiful pong, pong Paris. Uh, I think any, any major city, it's, you know, that condensement of people and everybody's forced to live in you know they're generally going to be living in small apartments because people aren't living on top of each other what are they going to do nice. in the fucking hot of august oh my god this is gonna be, this is, people are going jesus yeah but yeah things like that missing just getting out and having a summer and you know we've got a local beach here and you know we've got you know kids we want to take them out and so that's what i'm missing just the simple stuff that we we could always do anyway um just getting out enjoying the sun that's a nice, a nice answer. That sounds nice beautiful. answer, dudes. Where are we at? All right, I'll take this next one. Is from uh, Backlight Knives. He said, "Hey guys, love the podcast. Do you have any tips for forging slash make, making chef's knives? I recently got an order for one, and it's the first chef's knife I've, I'll make. Is there anything you found out in your experience that you wish you knew earlier?" What do you guys think? Well, props to his marketing team there for getting the orders in before he's made any. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good. Jeez. That's a good. Uh, that's a good selling technique. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> what do you guys think? I think. What, that, what are some things that you wish you knew about making chef's knives? I will. I will now? say that hunting knives do not translate well to kitchen knives. I think that one thing that a lot of people don't realize is is the angle of the profile of the blade itself. I think that the biggest problem that a lot of knife makers fall into is they don't cook. They don't have mm-hmm. like like knife skills. They don't understand how you mince an onion. They don't understand how you prepare all your product and stuff like that. So I think that a lot, the one thing I will suggest is, is be very, very, uh, really, really look at the distance from your tip to your heel and let at that, that nice radius and not make it too flat and then bend it, you know, to make it like a giant Bowie knife. I think that a lot of non kitchen guys think, ah, it's just cutting. You know, I think that there's a lot right. of things that you really need to learn how knives sit on a cutting board and how they rock and what's the way to mince and what's going to be a comfortable position. And if your tip is higher up and your heel is lower, that means your angle of where the handle is going to be is higher. So you can, you don't have to have a three inch heel to make it happen. I think that that's one thing when I won't talk about geometry, I'm just going to, that I'll just add to the fact that I think a lot of people think that you just make it a fucking hunting knife without a guard. And that's all right. you need. That's not the case. 
That's what I wish yeah, I nothing knew. To add That's there. what I. You know. Yeah, no, no, nothing to add there, really. It's 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 basically going to be a lot thinner than you think it needs to be. That's yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I would say you know forging. I don't mean. I mean, because he's asking about forging as well as uh, making them. I think the biggest key. Yeah, I mean, Jeff made the greatest point is that a chef's knife isn't just a knife you happen to use in the kitchen. It, there's a very specific purpose just like any cutting tool it has a job and for it to cut through vegetables and fibrous materials like you know the food and and like boneless meat and stuff like that it needs uh to cut in a very specific way and part of that is the geometry and it it's going to be thinner than you expect uh, especially if you're coming from hunting knives um you know if you're if say you're whatever uh, an eighth of an inch or, or just over an eighth of an inch thick at the spine you're going to come down to like maybe ten thousandths of an inch for just like a decent cutting chef's knife uh, before you sharpen and which is going to probably be anywhere from three to five times thinner than what you're used to so when you think it's thin push it farther that would be my biggest suggestion um without uh you know sending you specific dimensions i do have a post i think somewhere on my instagram where i kind of mapped out the dimensions on one of my chef's knives but that was a pretty extreme example of thinness and performance um you know i don't think you necessarily have to go that crazy thin um i've i've experienced all kinds of chef's knives you know like don win is a perfect example a lot of people think his stuff's crazy thick but if you cut with it it cuts like crazy the geometry he's really dialed it in to have a beautiful geometry that glides through food effortlessly and so the geometry can be a there's there's definitely a window and that you can play within but it's the biggest key is getting getting your thinness down behind the edge um and yeah i I think that would probably be one of the the biggest things i i wish i knew is to just keep pushing that geometry until maybe, you know, maybe you do a test knife and you push it maybe a little bit too far and then you back it up and you see how far you can back it up, uh, back off that thinness uh, to where you get a stable edge um, for, you know, just cutting against the cutting board. Because another thing to keep in, uh, keep in mind is this isn't chopping through trees or branches or splitting wood or anything. You know, this is a, a light use or light duty knife um, that it's not chopping through stuff except for onions and vegetables. And, and so that's also a, a good tip. Do you know what I wish I knew before I started making these knives? I wish I knew about Broadbeck Ironworks. Broadbeck <laughs> Ironworks sure. makes a two by 72 grinder designed by knife makers for knife makers. This is an incredible machine. It's it goes horizontally and then you pull you turn a lever and it goes vertically. The the platen that it comes with is extra long. It's, if you're doing cul- uh, culinary knives, you got a lot of extra uh, platen material, uh, which is great. The platens are also ex- uh, ch- uh, changeable. You, if you if they have a platen plate, you send it. You you call them up. You say I need a new platen plate. Three bucks plus shipping. They send you a new platen plate. You don't have to deal with all your problems. All their uh, attachments fit onto one arm. It's very intuitive. There's no, you don't need uh, wrenches to change your your directions. Everything is it's beautiful, and the shipping is included. And if you put in Knife Talk Five, Broadback Ironworks, going to give you five percent off on your next grinder. So go to BroadbackIronworks.com. 
Get yourself a grinder. I, I have this grinder. I'm stunned at how much I love this grinder. Get the VFD. You'll thank me for it. And, you know, now that you got all these orders and you hadn't, hadn't made one knife yet, might as well use a broadback. There you go. Finite is asked, <laughs> if you guys could only have one and not the other, what would you prefer, cheese or chocolate? Cheese or chocolate? That's a good question. What do you think, Mareko? Anybody there? Anybody there with cheese or chocolate? He's really weighing this one. It's a tough question because chocolate is nice, but cheese is good too. Is he even there? I think he may have been. He's he's not there. Well, what do you think, Craig? I think um, as much as I love chocolate, cheese, because I'm using cheese every day with you know even at last night i did like a like a like a palm puree like a like a oh, mashed potato palm puree. i put lots of uh parmesan in that you know instead of instead of salt and I, I just find using cheese as a um you know as a salt replacement as well i think is really well i just use cheese all the time so i think i don't think i go a day with not eating cheese whereas i can go a day without eating and for all you americans so, palm cheese. puree is not mashed potatoes Palm puree, it's, palm puree it's, is it's it's, gl- it's a more of a glutinous potato, like a it's a wet mashed potato. It's a much it's, more yeah. yeah, it's a much more uh, it's not fluffy. It's much more. It's a puree. puree. It's a puree. Palm puree. Marek, are you with us? Yeah, I uh, I hit my mute because I had to clear my oh. throat. Okay, <laughs> and then I forgot right. to okay. unmute, well, and I started. Good. I was talking too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just dumb. That's all. No, no, no. <laughs> so what would you what would you choose between chocolate and cheese? Cheese all day. I just feel like oh, it's more yeah. versatile. Obviously, like m- chocolate is delicious, but it's also not everybody loves chocolate. And uh, if I, you know, I I I happen to live with a person who doesn't necessarily love chocolate and. But we both love cheese, and cheese just come in all different varieties and smells and flavors and everything. Getting and frothed textures up. And... You guys are getting frothed up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to get, uh, you know, trying to get Craig excited about some camembert on beautiful. Oh. Imagine like a oh, wagyu steak or something. Like, ooh, yeah. Gross. Gross. Mm. Gross. <laughs> Jeff, have you never had a Philly cheesesteak sandwich? Or maybe yeah, a cheeseburger? I've, I've certainly You never had have. cheese on steak before? I haven't had camembert. On, on a cheese sandwich, I love Have cheese. Have you ever had a, I like, a, like a, yes. a blue cheese finishing butter on a on a sirloin steak? Yeah, n- nothing to write home about. Okay, <laughs> I, mean, I, I my da- I hated blue cheese. My dad got me and he like toasted oh, rye bread with uh, Maytag blue cheese on it, and I liked it. It was fine, but I mean, I'm not gonna like, you know, I'm not gonna <laughs> cream my pants for some cheese. <laughs> Right, Come on, man. But cheese. how? But I, if I have to choose between chocolate and cheese, a pizza's pizza wins all day. So it's you know, cheese cheese takes cheese. the cake. What what cheese is he using on a pizza? You're gonna fucking hate me, but I like provolone cheese on pizza because it's saltier. It's a little bit more intense tasting, and I think you get a better homemade pizza when you use provolone cheese. I think mozzarella is great. I love for, I love. Mozzarella cheese, fine, but I think you just get a little bit more concentrated deliciousness with provolone cheese. (sighs) Chocolate's fine. Chocolate's fine. Oh, if we ever do a a Knife Talk food build-along, I made score bars, you know, this uh, toffee, and that is the idea of uh, Austinite turning into Martinsite. 
Did you know about that? Oh, I, I did see your story. I, if yes, you take yeah. raw sugar and then you bring it to a critical temperature, which is 300 degrees, it's, it, it, well, it melts, and then you bring it up to a critical de- de- temperature, and then as it cools, it, forms, it goes from austenite to martensite. It's the same thing. Same thing. And your, your pretzels look good this you week, did a good too. job with those, too. You did a good job with those, too. Good. The cooking has been fun. This has been a lot of fun. Okay, who's got the next one? Uh, okay. Macrillus Designs uh, says, how do you price your work so you make money and, and aren't exclusive to others? How do you price your work, guys? Burning question. Um, what do you think they mean by exclusive it, to others? Like I think... It, I think pricing people out? Probably. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're always going to price people out because they can always go to Ikea and buy a five-pound kitchen knife. That'll cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, – we talked about it a lot. You know, to me, it's a lot of it is about selling the whole story of the knife and having a story behind it, um, you know, as much as the sort of craftsmanship to do with it. Um, and I think it's about finding your audience exactly. who are willing to pay what, 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 you know, what you're happy selling it for. Um, the three of us have very different price points, um, and we all sell, you know, slightly different styles of knives. Um, and I think it's finding that audience, tapping into that audience, and and listening to them. It's a two way thing. Then, so you know, you you find what they want, and you and you you can provide that service that you feel um, comfortable with. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's you know, there's always going to be somebody cheaper than you. There's always going to be somebody more expensive than you. So my thing is, don't compete on price. It's a, it's a losing game. Somebody yeah. can go to a supermarket and buy a knife that will cut. So you can't compete on price. But what you can compete on is the sort of the provenance and the story and the quality of your knife. So once you're happy with them, you'll find people will almost set that price. You'll find where people are happy um, to pay for a knife, which is you know, which is they're paying they're paying for a bit of your work specifically, not not necessarily the knife because it's not going to be a million miles away from any other knife. Um, but they're paying for a, for a piece of you. So learn to tell your story well um, and provide value. That reminds me of a real quick, real thing that's happening now. It's a chef that I'm working with. His name is Mark Fetri. He's down in Philly. He's an awesome chef. And uh, obviously, like all these restaurants, they're not open. Some of these higher-end restaurants are kind of like, you know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people to feed and there's a lot of, you know, staff and stuff like that. So he's known in the United States. He's really one of the highest end of Italian uh, chefs in you know East Coast, especially. He's got places out in Las Vegas too. So he's known for making these. I think they're. I think the pronunciation is panettone. It's this Italian. It's this Italian, like uh, cake loaf, and it's like it's. I think it's very known for Christmas. I think it's a Christmas thing. It is. Yeah, they're like a Christmas gift. They come in like like tins and. So he's and, yeah. d- always has done it at Christmas time and stuff like that. So he just decided I'm gonna make some. I'm gonna make some of these and sell them outside of the restaurant. And I guess his prices. I think some people started bitching about his prices because I mean, he's also using trying to pay his employees. So his yeah. prices are maybe higher than what you'd expect if you went down to Gristidi's to pick one up in the fucking Christmas aisle. And he's just like lacing people. He's like, "Don't fuck." I'm. These are the. This is the price, and I don't want all you haters to say a fucking word because it's not. It's not for you. And it was. He's just very like you know. He's he's getting sick of people saying, "Well, but that seems a lot for a you know bread cake from Christmas." Mm-hmm. 
and he, he don't want anything to do with it. So he's he's lighting people up. You you tell him it's too expensive, he's gonna give it to you. <laughs> so but I'm sure the three of us get those messages. You know, you'll get an inquiry from somebody and they'll come back and they'll say, What a way too expensive. I, I wasn't expecting that. But Once in a while. You're not for Once everybody. As soon as you as soon as you Yeah, as soon as you sort of get into your head that you're not for everybody, you can't please everybody. Just do the best job for the people who you can please. I love that letter, that email you got from a guy a couple months back. He said, how dare you charge that much for your knives? Yeah, That was a yes, fucking yeah, awesome yeah. one. How dare, how dare you? Yeah, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Ah, fuck off, Fritz. It's enough. We don't want you. It's not for you. That's, you know, that's uh, almost like that should be the automatic response. Then it's not for you. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. We say something, it's not for you. I shouldn't have told I should have told how much Morocco charges for his knives. Well, you know what? He, what are you gonna do? But I, I think you know, I, I'm I'm amazed that people even get back to you on some you know, the people also who nickel and dime you are also not the ones who are gonna buy. Those are the first ones that they go in your DMs, they're sneaking around your DMs, they're talking to you, they're telling you about the pricing and stuff like that. They're the Tony told me, do not t- talk to these people because they never buy, they just want your time. Yeah. Yeah. And th- there are level. I think a lot of people don't understand that, you know, they may be cooks, they know, you know not too much about knives, but they don't know the the the, the levels. So, I mean, let, let's say, for example, you know, my level of knife is, you know, far um, inferior to sure. Morocco's simply because the amount of time that Morocco has spent learning his craft has been a lot more than mine. And, you know, he, he's obviously very, very skillful. Um, but a lot of people don't understand that they they'll see their what they consider to be an expensive knife, which may be fifty pounds or fifty dollars in a in a supermarket, that could be expensive for a supermarket. They'll then go to a maker, and if they get a price, you know, which is always going to be considerably more than that, they're just like, whoa, I don't understand. It's a knife. What you know? They don't understand the you know the, the level of complexity and the amount of work that goes into hand making one single knife. Sure. As opposed to you know a factory stamped knife where there's you know they're, they're churning out ten thousand a day. Yes. Yeah. Problem solved. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, where do we great. go from there? It's not for you. That's my favorite. It's <laughs> uh, not for you. There we go. Let's have a look. What else have we got? Um, do do a DY knives asks. Hey chaps, any thoughts on getting a really clean join? Where the front of the scales meet the tang <laughs> on full tang blades would be much appreciated. I think he meant joint. He wants to get that clean joint. Clean joint, clean joint. Potato, potato. Potato, potato. <laughs> you gotta, what? You gotta, you gotta dry fit it, and then you gotta get a little alcohol and acetone to clean it up. Boom. Yeah. What? What else is there to yeah. say? You gotta get it flat. Your scale gotta be flat. Your your tang's got to be nice and flat and clean. You got to try it out, and then you got to clamp it up and then clean it up. Yeah. And I say this every week. Don't use way too much epoxy. Just use, yeah, what use whatever need. the fuck you want. You're not going to get squeezed oh, out everywhere. Let it go ahead. <laughs> it ain't going to hurt my feelings. You let it ooze out. I do like the one thing I learned from uh, one thing I learned from the day one from Matt Paul MP Knives. He was the one to tell me, he's like, okay, now when you do the scales, you have to sand the bolster to the finish. The the, the bolster on a full tang knife, you have to finish it, finish it, finish it because you can't start sanding it once the glue is dried because then you're going to fucking scratch the shit out of your tang. 
so he he really got me into uh into making sure that it was like done done from the bolster up and you know a little bit of ass tone clean that shit right up yeah we've got morocco anything what's up anything to add no 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 i i think i mean i think you guys nailed it what's that this uh hey we got this jeff we've got it nice job guys (laughs) uh um I got another one from Jay Bano 185. He says, Hey Kitties, got a question for you. How how much of paper cutting is about technique? I just finished a peeling knife that will shave easily. Just left my hands looking like I've been juggling razor razor blades. But I but doesn't cut paper as well as I see some makers do. So what do you guys have to say about paper cutting? Yeah, I I generally don't cut paper as a, as a test anyway. Um, but I see, you know, some people do it and they, you know, they do lovely circles and all that kind of thing. Um, I think it looks, it can look quite impressive. I, I don't do it, so I, sure. I I don't know. I really don't know. I, I, yeah, leave me out of this one. I do. I it. really like. Pa- yeah, you do the Go paper ahead. cutting. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's worth reiterating. You know, I like doing the paper cutting because it, to me, it, it's a it's an indication. It's more of like a tactical indication of what's going on along the cutting edge. And I have had knives that I've I've sharpened and they should be insanely sharp and and they'll obviously cut other things like he just said it's cutting his hands apparently like he's juggling razors. Um I I think what might be happening is that it, paper is a very kind of it's a fine but also very fibrous material. And I think it's a little easier to cut into your hands than it is maybe to cut to a piece of paper. And um, and so I I imagine that if I if I took that knife and I just had a piece of cardboard, um, a clean piece of cardboard laying around, I could strop it on that piece of cardboard and then cut a piece of paper just fine. And I've I've had this happen to me where it seems like the the knife should cut, but it's not. And then I'm like, oh, let me just strop it real quick and just you know three or four swipes each side. Um, and then it glides right through the paper just fine. I think it's just a matter of what's happening with that kind of the micro serrations at the cutting edge. Um, and sometimes there's still a residual burr there and stropping will help remove that. Um, and if there's a residual burr, that's just, it's flopped over to one side. It's just not going to cut paper very well, if at all. Um, but it will still cut you. So that's something to think about. I do the paper cut and I like to actually listen to it because the listening is part of that, how it glides through. There are definitely, the more you do it, there are better indications. There are more indications in regards to if your knife is finished, finished. Like I I can, I can hear it. I can hear how it cuts through and it's not very, it's not like I'm like, you know, Hawkeye and I can, I can hear it. And it's like, it's very, it becomes very audible. Um, it's very similar to the same thing with welding. Like I've always felt like welding, you know, if you're dialed in correctly and you're at the right height based on how it sounds. And I try to like do a lot of, I listen and you feel it. I mean, you know, it's like hitting a home run or something. You hit the ball hard enough. You, you know, you, as soon as you hit, you make the connection, you know where you're at. So, yeah. Okay. There we are. Robinson knives asks, Hey man, what is the best way to grind a thin knife? without overheating the edge thank you 
cool it frequently. Uh, sharp belts. Yeah. Um, good belts. New good belts. And this is a good time. Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! Well, I really do think that new belts are the only way to go when you get close to you know a thin knife and you're getting close to those final finishing grinds. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly because you're probably going to be using you know a, a you know a not too abrasive kind of belt, uh, and they don't last too long. So Fair. yeah, you want a, a new fresh belt for finishing. Um, and you know I keep a, a, a dip tank there, and I'll and I'll dip every sort of pass or so. Um, but yeah, make sure you're not using an old worn belt because that's the easiest way to overheat that edge. And yeah, I use Combat. Uh, I know the other guys do too. So make sure you get your discounts uh, at CombatAbrasives.com. Also, one thing we never, t- we, we hit this up and we never talk about it is a VFD on your grinder is going to help you dr- go a little bit slower than you normally would. And then it's going to mm. help we optimize the belts. I've always yeah. surprised when I finally got my Broadback Ironworks, it was my first uh, VFD on a 2x72 grinder, I, I kind of like dialed it back from what I was used to, and I was getting more use out of each belt without getting too much friction. So you can, you know, you go real slow, and you can still kind of cut as well as you were before, before going full blast without adding more friction and then, you know, burning up that knife. Yeah, perfect. On or Arnold. Next, that that guy is on. He on he on he on fire. He on fire. Gonna he with those horses. Now, I I I see still chasing around those horses on his on his property. <laughs> Jerry, <laughs> uh, uh. what is Cherry? Cherry and Lulu. Had a, is he the, is he the video? Are you sitting eating a salad? He's holding. He got that one horse in his under his arm. He's like, "Yeah, you like some of this salad? This is for me." And he, he's got him choking. He's choking that horse, feeding him salad off his plate. No, no, that's for me. That's not for. And then you can tell that the horse is like kind of fidd- fidgeting around, and Arnold's he's getting a little bit more aggressive with that horse. So strange, so strange. He was a predator, for God's sake. He was a commando. It was T two, and now he's he's fucking up with he's fucking around with little tiny horses in the house. And who's cleaning up the shit in the house? Those horses are shitting in the house. You know, Lulu's dropping a deuce on the on the on the floor. (laughs) You know he is. Ah, Lulu, stop pooping on the floor. Get out of here with the horses. All right, sorry. Yeah, concentrate, boys. Come on, go ahead. Caps Cutlery asks, "Hey, cutie." No need to reply, as I know you guys are all busy, but I wanted to take a second to uh, commend you for the things you've been doing to keep people positive. The Be Helpful posts, the work that Craig did on the educational programs, etc., is amazing, and it inspired me to give back locally to my community. You guys are making a difference, even if it's just one person at a time. Thanks for all you do. Well, that was a very nice thing to say. Thank you, Caps Cutlery. Very nice. nice. <sighs> shall we get on with some, oh. some more questions? Yeah, go ahead. Or shall we? Shall we do uh, whatever you, know, what you want? Do, what do you think? I'm down for whatever. Hey, you! You know what you should do? This is the part of the show where you give us our 
your tips and we read them and sometimes they're good sometimes uh they're all southern then Morocco. what's very, that very southern you sounded you sounded very southern southern then. southern so, so i read it like Bill. as in from the go ahead like bensner yeah you should definitely read it like bensner <laughs> Uh, this first one is uh, from Sam Hill Knives. <clears throat> not so many, or sorry, not so much a question, but a statement. I'm a firefighter, pan- uh, paradigmic, paramedic. God damn, I can't it... do this. I can't do it. <laughs> he, this firefighter, paramedic. What's that? Oh, we read oh is that the one you just week. read? Yeah. Oh. Last from last week. But go ahead and read it again. And I think you should keep reading it in your accent because it's humorous <laughs> to me. It's humorous to you. Yeah. I'm a firefighter, paramedic as my day job, and I just wanted to thank you guys for getting the word out about staying isolated and doing whatever you can to be helpful. I'm on the front lines of this thing, and it isn't, and it is as serious as they say. I've seen people firsthand that are infected, and it's no joke. I appreciate what you guys are doing with, uh, with the podcast and your public outreach. Keep up the amazing work. Stay safe. <laughs> You got some good slurring in there at the end. There was some good good, good, uh, southern slurring. I hope I didn't offend anybody. I'm sorry. Fuck them. Anyone's offended by that. They can go fuck off. They could go hang out with Roy and fuck those sheep. I don't give a fuck about them. Nothing you've said has been offensive, and you should definitely not apologize. Everyone just listen to the goddamn podcast and keep your opinions to yourself. Fuck them. Listen and shut the fuck up. That's it. Perfect. Exactly. Okay. Another one from Base Base and the Beast and the Best. Base and the Best. Here's a tip. While making a sandwich, split your stack of cheese in half like a full deck of cards. Slice taken from the middle are less likely to tear in two as you pull it off the stack. (laughs) Sorry, let me. Fucking Tom and Jerry shit right there. He's like, sandwich. Like, you never see those Tom and Jerry's like flipping the, you know, the. Sure. I remember those. Stack of cheese. What's he talking? Stack of cheese. Is this that that American bullshit? Those plasticky cheats. Fine. Stand. I got you mad now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, there you go. Stack your, get your stack of cheese and shove it. So, all right. So <laughs> the next one comes from JPH. Hey, you know what you should do? Support your, uh, support your work. If you're hand sanding, ah, oh, I know where he's going with this. If you're hand sanding something long and flexible, like a slicer or a boner, nobody wants to see your tip sticking out from your workshop. It's inefficient and unsightly. <laughs> Clamp your work piece to a piece of wood, making sure it's supported along its entire length. That way you can work efficiently and get that hand rubbed finish in as few strokes as possible, leaving you more time to think of dick jokes to send to your favorite podcast. So JPH is, you know, he was trying to elicit penal humor. So he was with hand sanding tips. I've got a hand sanding tip. You're going to want to need the best uh, sandpaper if you're hand sanding. So we all use um, Rhino Wet by Indassa. Um, and you can follow them. They're in Dasa USA on um, Instagram. Um, but they make the, the world's best sandpaper, quite simply. It saves you time. And what saves you time? Saves you money. And there's another way to spend to save a little bit more money by going to uh, Texas Farrier Supply and using Knife Talk 10 
and you can get 10% off any any of the Rhino wet that they sell, and they've got all the grits that you need. Um, but they also sell lots of other stuff, lots of other stuff for knife makers, lots of materials, that kind of thing. So go take a look at texasfarriersupply.com. Remember to use Knife Talk 10, um, and they do stock Rhino wet. So that's a big, big tip if you're hand sanding. Very good. We have got one more tip. Um, Coyster Forge. You know what you should do from a new knife maker to other new knife makers? Rip away if I'm wrong, gentlemen, he says. As a new knife maker, one of your very first investments should be a non-VFD one-horse motor, a nine-inch disc, and a packet of Rhino-wet sandpaper. A tube of 3M feathering adhesive combined with Nick Wheeler videos, and you'll be making super flat knives, all for under $300. I don't don't like this. I don't like this at all. I mean, I'm with you, Coaster. I'm with you, Coaster. I'm with you, but you can't can't grind a whole knife on a disc grinder. It's too hard. Yeah, it's not going to be your first. Yeah, it's a first investment. Maybe not your first, but... um... It's hard. Yeah. It's hard because yeah. top tip with the Nick Wheeler videos the, the, too. The hard here's the hard part with the disc. And I'm a disc sander is my favorite, but the problem is is because it's a disc and it's spinning in a different. It's you're not getting the abrasives at the same. You're you're losing it towards the middle of the disc. You're you're becoming duller there than you are on the outside, which has the most abrasives coming around. So it just becomes a little bit more difficult to to make it happen and also if you're going to grind down an eighth inch knife with a with a pack of 180 rhino wet it's gonna be a long day at the office <laughs> you got a yeah a hard time you're gonna have a hard time i like using the disc sander more than anything else but it's to finish to get me ready for hand sanding that's about it was i too hard on him I don't think we'll be getting no. any more tips from people. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm with him. He's fine. If you can get all that shit for $300, God bless you. He said rip away. He did, actually. He was asking. I'm sorry, yeah. Coaster. I'm with you. Are we going to do a community sure. showcase? If you guys got one. I sure. Got yeah. one. Okay. Community showcase. This is the time in the show where we give a little bit of love to somebody we think is doing something right or... Whatever the hell we want. So, uh, Craig, who do you have for a community showcase? <laughs> I don't have All one. right. I'm just looking through now. You, All you right. guys carry on, and I'm going to have a list that I've had in the past. Who do you have? Okay, I got a guy. His name's Pete Matilla. Uh, I think he's from Australia. I'm probably saying his last name wrong, but if you check him out on Instagram, he's Pete underscore M-A-T-T-I-L-A underscore. He is a blacksmith and metal artist, and he does these insane metal sculptures um, that if you're just scrolling through his feed, they look like they're illustrated. The way the light reflects off of them and the way like the points fade, they look like almost like a, like a oh, like black and white or black uh, black ink watercolor kind of in a way. I don't know. It's pretty wild. It's hard to describe. Um, but if you go check him out, you can see exactly what I'm talking about. But he's got some um, pretty impressive talent and control, and it's really cool stuff. So, Pete Matilla. There you go. There he goes. Well, I'd like to give love to a chef down in New Orleans who's a friend of mine. His name is Isaiah, Isaiah Troop, Toops, T-O-U-P-S. And his Instagram is 
Toops Meadery, and he's he's an incredible young Cajun chef. He's the heir apparent to Emeril Lagasse, and when this all this bullshit came out, he started doing family meal for his staff because he had to furlough off his staff, and it furlough like most restaurants, so he can't, you know, you know, your best intentions are to keep everybody working, but if you can't serve people, you can't keep open. So he was doing, um, he did this post where he said he, he was doing uh, family meal for his staff, and then some of his staff said, can I bring my wife? And then he was making more food and more food, and then he started to make, he's, he turned his restaurant into a soup kitchen, basically. So now they're making, he did a deal with all of his distributors and they were, I mean, they couldn't keep all their produce anyway. So they donated to him and he's been, um, feeding nursing homes and firefighters and first responders and hospitals. This is not a, this isn't, he's not new. I mean, there's a lot of guys all over the place doing it, but it is, it's the idea of, you know, he, he said, you know, New Orleans is a scrappy city. We're going to keep this thing rolling. And he's just a dynamite guy. And he, he's just like, I'm going to keep doing this until they throw me out of here. And he's like a real, you know, he's a great chef and traditional Cajun stuff and real kind of nice things. And he's just a good dude. And there's a lot of chefs like him who are just like, they're not about the money. They're right now, they're just about the, you know, the essence of being in a restaurant or cooking for people is nurturing them and bringing them back. And he's been through, uh, they've been through uh, Hurricane Katrina. And so they, they know hardships and it's just like, you know, it's just a good, a good dude, and he's, he's doing the right thing, and uh, um, he's a good guy. That's, that's pretty cool. I, I've, you know, I've thought about the idea that, you know, all these restaurants have inventory that all of a sudden, you know, they're kind of stuck with or is perishable. I didn't even think about their supply chain and the idea of them partnering, though, with their supply chain to help, you know, instead of that stuff just going to waste, putting it to good use, and I think... Well, there's, incredible. there's a lot smart. of, this is, this is, this is the thing that, you know, as soon as this thing happened, I, I immediately knew that the restaurants were going to be hit first. And then once the restaurants are hit, then everything that, you know, all that, all those supply chains are all affected too. That everything is, we're living in this world where everything is very dependent. It is a parasitic relationship and these businesses are trying to, you know, deal with things and when one thing goes it's like dominoes so it's you know using your head to try to feed people or do whatever he's a good dude man he i tell you what i, I his book is really good it's called chasing the gator i got that and he and i've kind of messaged back and forth and uh i did his gumbo recipe which is a dynamite recipe and um mm-hmm. it's just like you know this is what's gonna have to happen is people are just gonna have to say okay well we can't you know can't pay my yacht payments but now what can i do you know, got this restaurant, I might as well feed some people. Right. Okay, I don't have a, a community oh, showcase this go. week, unfortunately. Um, but I do have a beef. I do have a beef. And this will lead to a community showcase in a, in a roundabout way. So, um, my beef is we're starting to see lots of people stuck at home. Everybody's cooking and everybody's putting up pictures of their food on Instagram and Twitter or whatever it may be. And you know, ninety percent of it is bullshit. It's it's terrible. But <laughs> wow, <laughs> you can tell the people. You can tell the people who are. T- you're you're oh, in the yeah. top ten. Yeah. You're, you're I wasn't when I was making bullshit. Obviously, Jeff. Right. Obviously, top well, ten bullshit yeah. recipes. Yeah, top ten bullshit recipes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell those who are trying really hard because they they got this bullshit 
bullshit meal they'd made. But then, on top, they'd spend in the time to put on these little microbirds with edible flowers. They're trying to polish a toast, Oh, wow. And it's just, it's just, it wow. doesn't work. So, yeah, that's my piece. <laughs> Microherbs and edible flowers, massively stop, overused. Stop it. Because people, stop the madness. People use it to dress, dre- try to dress up a really <laughs> shit meal. But which, which brings me on to um, MasterChef this week. So we had the MasterChef final in the UK this week. Um, I'm, I don't know about in the, in, in the US, but we have a normal MasterChef and we have a MasterChef professionals. Um, but this was the normal MasterChef for, for those who don't work within the sort of catering industry. And the, the levels always top, 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 top stuff. But the winner, uh, Thomas Frake, um, he won. But what was really unusual, he didn't use any of the, you know, microherbs, edible flowers, where they all were. They were using the dill oil. Everybody's using dill oil what? at the moment as well. It looks pretty. It looks pretty. Dill but it's, That sounds uh, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's split. It's split, isn't it? It splits with the oil. So you get the split sauce. It's, it's yeah. It's all very trendy. And, dill oil. And, and, you know, it looks effective. But, it, it's, yeah, it tastes like shit. So... <laughs> Thomas Frake, who won MasterChef this week, he's just doing like really hearty, old-fashioned, like home-cooked stuff, and he managed to win MasterChef with it. Whereas he's up against these people with their microherbs and their edible right. flowers and so on. And it was just really nice to see somebody winning. And I want to eat that food. It looks comforting. It just looks incredible. So, congrats to Thomas. I know we won't be listening, obviously, but uh, Thomas Frake, who won the UK MasterChef, um, go and look on Instagram at his food. It's very well, well done without being overly dressed, which is uh, which is my beef well, this th- week. That's gonna overly dr- that's overly gonna end up being stuff. the that's probably gonna be the end up being more along the lines of the way the way culinary you know the culinary tr- trends go to is comfort food is going to be much more um, sought after than you know yeah. using tweezers to plate your dill weed or whatever you know <laughs> exactly. Let's hope so. Yeah. There's a place for that kind of stuff, but you know, it's just been massively overused at the moment, and people are literally just trying to, you know, roll their turd in mm. glitter. You know, it's not good. <laughs> foam, foam can or kiss my foil. ass. Foam, foam, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, foam like can kiss foams. my ass. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do a beef. What do you got? A, what do you got? A beef there, Mareko? Let's do some beefs. Uh, I don't have. A, I don't have a beef right now. <sighs> no, have you got one, Jeff? I, I tell you what, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if people. Fucking stop throwing their goddamn gloves in the ground. That's annoying. All their oh, rubber gloves are thrown all over the place. If you're going to wear gloves, you know, this is the stupidest part of it. Some of these PPE people are so stupid. The gloves, are, if you wash your hands, that's good. But if you wear gloves and your hands are not clean and then you take your gloves off and then you touch all your shit anyway, what's the point of wearing the goddamn gloves? Oh, they're on their phone. Using they've got gloves on, but then they. Use I, their know, phone. I mean, they go to the supermarket. They, they yeah. grab a fucking yeah. cauliflower, then they put it back, and then they grab their phone and they text their kids. What do you want for dinner? Yeah. And then they put it back in their pocket, and then they take their goddamn gloves off and they throw them in the goddamn ground. Stop it! Stop yeah. it! It's enough. It's enough already with your gloves. Just shove your gloves up your ass. You know. <laughs> That's what they're for. Yeah, that's what that's what Roy's gonna do now. He's gonna put his gloves on. He's gonna get he's gonna give those sheep a rogering. Uh, <laughs> you gonna you gonna get them gloves on? Those sheep. <laughs> just just keep your eye on Roy. If he asks you some gloves, you know, be careful. Uh. <laughs> oh Roy. 
always a good dude. I'm sorry for sorry okay. for accusing what him we've... of fucking the sheep. <laughs> Molesting the uh, yeah. He's doing you a favor, and I'm making jokes his expense. Poor guy. Molesting the most <laughs> stuff. <sighs> what we got? Something that we want to happen this week. Something we're working towards. What where would we like to be this time next week? Let's start. Oh with you, my Jeff. god, I, this is what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to my wife. We're all on the same page in regards to when she can come out of quarantine. I want her back in our lives. It's too much. We need, I need my family to be together. I'm tired of her being sick. I'm tired of, I want her home. I want her back in the house. It's just enough already. You're tired of doing the cleaning, Jeff. That, I mean, there's that too. I'm not good at it. And to, I mean, you know, but at the same time, it's just like, I want, you know, it's, you know, my kid and I, we make dinner and we watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and she, I make dinner for her and bring it upstairs and it sucks. I want our family to be back to where it was. So that's my hope. And I also hope that, uh, I don't know. I hope I get these results back and I'm either a slob or I have coronavirus you know or i don't have coronavirus it doesn't even matter anymore yeah. so well here, here's hoping that you've had it there, i think that's, that's probably the best i know i i know you that, can't detect that but that would be the that best would be the best result if they could tell me but i don't think they're going to be able to tell me yeah. so but that's my dream my dream is when i come home from this podcast she says i've talked to enough people i've made a decision i'm coming downstairs now that's what really would be the dream but it ain't gonna happen she don't probably wait till friday three weeks right what you got, Maraca? Mm. Uh, this coming week, let's see. I would like my son's sleep regression he's going through right now to be fucking over. Uh, I think part of the problem is that it is so he's waking up at the ass crack of dawn because that's when the sun comes up and he it's just it's getting brighter. And so we're going to work on blacking out his windows so that, you know, he sleeps to a, a good time because he's also going to bed super late lately, which is part of the regression. And it's incredibly frustrating because it's just this whole rigmarole of shit to get him to go to fuck to sleep. And it's just, an, it's really, really on top of everything else that's going on right now, you know, it's, that's a huge bummer and then during the day he's t extra tired and it's just a fucking nightmare you know pain the pit uh he's just constantly whining so anyways i'm complaining about him complaining but i just i hope that starting to make some small adjustments um that will all go away and he'll be a much happier kid during the day um yeah because that will go a long way for all of us in the house there you go I think mine is on a very similar vein. Um, so it's it's. I want to try and get a schedule in place this week because when this first started and we we come back from the UK to France, we got we you know we, when we got here we were immediately on lockdown. So for those first few weeks, it was a case of oh everything's out the window. We're on lockdown. It's fine. You know we do what we need to do. It's don't worry about anything. But um, time is going on and on and on, and I'm just turning into a slob. I'm starting these jobs. I'm not finishing. So. I need a schedule. I need to be up at a certain time and I need to ha be hitting goals every day, which I haven't done for weeks and weeks now. Um, and part of it is very similar to what Marekko just said. So um, one of our twins, Daisy, she's not sleeping at all through the night. 
um, where, you know, we've been very fortunate. They both slept right through the night up until now, but Daisy is constantly waking and, you know, Mo- there's, there's no waking Molly. She'll, she'll sleep through World War Three, but uh, Daisy is constantly waking. So myself and my wife, you know, we're taking it in turns and we're, we're just always tired and snappy as well. And I think if we had some sort of schedule, it would help out. So I think, yeah, I need to give my wake up each day at, at, at a reasonable time, give myself a goal and hit these goals because then I feel as if I'm achieving something and then hopefully I'll sleep better and yeah, it's, yeah, schedule, get some sort of normality. I think that's what I need. So that's my goal for the week. Could you, could you play the harps one more time? I have one more dream. Go for it. Hey, Craig, it's me, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> What's the combination for the door for this sheep? I want to take you. Roy's, Roy's British. Wow, wow this is much better if he's French. I thought it was Roy R O I. I thought maybe no. Uh... British. <laughs> there you go. That's it. That... Okay. I, I, Sorry, I, I fucking had, I thought it had to good. Let... Obviously, I didn't. For the comedic value, let's pretend Roy is French. Go for it. Go I'm for over it. I'm over it. Hey, Roy. I want, to take a, I want to take your sheep out for a date. I'm going to feed it. I'm not going to stop. Just, can we end this podcast, please? I'm we can do. That's a show. That's a show. So um, in, a, in a day or two's time, we're going to have another episode off, um, episode up, rather, um, which Mareko is in a single track. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And remember, if you've got any questions, <laughs> oh, not that one. Remember, if you've got any questions, contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. <laughs> and also, if if you think if you know somebody who think would like this show and they're not aware of it, whether they're a knife maker or into knives, let them know. It all helps us. The more listeners we get, That's the right. better it is. Um, and also, you know, give us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Right, that's a show. We shall speak to you very soon. That was. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.